this week I'll be, I'll be preaching on the victory we, have, we can have over fear and the power to worship. And I thought this was a great series for me, not just for the fact that it's uh, on worship, but because it is my first time in front of you guys, and I need victory over fear. <laughs> but this week, uh, we'll be talking mostly about, um, basically all about Peter and his life after Christ's resurrection in Christ's ascension. And uh, we will be mostly in Acts 2 through 4. But what I want you to do, if you have your Bibles, take them out, and we will turn to Luke 22. When most people think of Peter, right, they think of this guy, uh, obviously a disciple of Christ. Uh, but when uh, we think of Peter, one thing that comes in our, head, uh, our minds is that Peter was the guy who denied Christ, right? He denied him three times. So let's, why don't we read this in uh, Luke 22. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And this is Jesus. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of a courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be uh, one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's word flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So the first point I want to uh, proclaim to you is that God knows our fears. Just as God knew Peter's fears, just as God knew that Peter would deny um, even knowing him, God also knows our fears. You see, during the Passover supper, during the Passover meal, uh, Jesus told Peter that before the rooster crowed, um, that Peter would deny him three times. And Peter said, no, Christ, I would never do that. I would never deny you. Uh, But God knew Peter's heart. And God knows our heart. He knows our fears. Let's turn to Acts 2. We're going to be in 14. Most people who read Acts... Uh, to either focus on the verse, the first 13 parts of the, or the verses of the passage, or the last six. We are going to be in the middle. This is Peter's sermon, but I also want to give you the setting of Acts 2 and what's going on here. So during this time, this is after Christ, is, Christ has ascended, and the, there are many believers in Jerusalem, and um, during Acts 2. At the beginning of Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes among these believers. And it says tongues of, tongues of fire come among, them, come among them, which means basically that the, all these believers were talking in all these, all these different languages. And, then there, and there were, there were um, uh, Jews from all different nations in Jerusalem at that time. And um, while this is happening, they hear what's going on and, say, and they say, how in the world can this happen? We know these Jews are from around here. How can they be speaking in all of our languages? Because we can, we can totally understand them. This is really weird. And so um, they want to know what's going on. They're, they have no, no clue. 
Um, and also, there's there's these people there that are just saying these these guys they're they're just drunk, you know. They're they are uh, they have had so much to drink. They're just speaking in this these bizarre languages that we can't even understand. And then Peter gets up, and he um, stands up in the middle of this crowd. There are probably thousands and thousands of people there, and he says, um, first thing he says, he says. These men, this is what's happening. These men are not drunk. First of all, because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And all of these men cannot be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has come among them. And so uh, what I want to talk uh, about now is Peter's sermon. And we're not going to go into detail. We're actually not going to even read uh, much of it. Um, But I want to talk about some things that that Peter um, states in his sermon and things that come out of Peter's sermon. One thing, the first thing is that God meets us where we are. Peter met the people where they were. He stood up in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of thousands of people, and told them what was going on. And then after this, he starts preaching the gospel. Um, and so God meets us where we are. He doesn't, have, he doesn't wait until Sunday morning. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't wait, um, to be with us. He is, he was, he is always there with us and he meets us where we are. Second thing is that God tells us the truth about ourselves. Just like Peter told them the truth about themselves. I have to say, this is not the most seeker friendly sermon that I've ever heard, which just means that Peter was not looking to kind of step around people's toes. Um, he was not sugarcoating things. He was saying uh, he was his sermon was direct and to the point. Um, he says he says two times that that you have killed Christ, you have cu- crucified Christ. And yes, the interesting thing is that these people that were that were that Peter was talking about were probably there when they crucified Christ, unlike us. But he's also saying obviously there was people there that weren't, probably weren't in the city when Christ was crucified as well. He's saying, your sins have crucified Christ. It's not just the fact that you were there. It's not just the fact um, that you have crucified him yourself, but your sins have crucified Christ. And so God tells us the truth about himself. Even though this sermon was probably not the most seeker-friendly sermon in the world, 3,000 men came to Christ because of it. And that's just men. That's not including women and children. I imagine way over uh, 6,000 people who probably came to Christ because of, because of Peter's boldness in his sermon. Thirdly, there was a response. Now, the people asked Peter after he was done preaching. They said, um, they asked him, what, what do we do now? And Uh, Peter tells them, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, they heard the gospel and they asked, what do we do about it? I'm going to tell you that every time that we hear the gospel preached, every time that we hear the word of God preached, we should respond. This is why we have these connection cards. This is why we have uh, 
this little box over here in the left-hand corner on the back. It says, this week I commit to. These are your responses to God. Obviously, there's many other responses than what we have here in this little box. That's why there's another. Um, But every time the gospel is preached, God wants us to respond. And this is what happens when we respond. Number four, the thing that came out of uh, the last thing that came out of Peter's sermon is that the crowd became devoted and empowered. And this is what God wants from all of you. He wants you to become devoted and empowered. So through the sermon, we can see a complete turnaround in Peter's life, right? He goes from this like scaredy cat, not even wanting to admit that he knows Jesus when Jesus is going to die because he doesn't want to be killed himself to this, this guy who stands up in the crowd of 3,000 or more people and starts proclaiming the gospel of Christ. So in the next chapter, um, Peter and John, after they have preached to this crowd, they, they head on their way to Jerusalem or to the, to the temple in Jerusalem, and they run across this lame beggar. And um, it says that, that Peter and John look at him intently which I think is funny. Look at him intensely. And then um, uh, Peter comes to the guy and he, he says, look at me, which I would kind of be a little bit uh, uh, held aback by that. Like, <laughs> um, but that's just my personality. Um, <laughs> if someone looked, uh, grabbed me, looked at me in the eyes and said, look at me. Um, but he does, and the guy looks at him. And he, it says that Peter heals the lame man in the name of Jesus. And the lame man jumps up, he leaps up, starts walking and leaping and praising God. And these crowds of people um, around uh, where they were at in Jerusalem and uh, around the temple start to follow Peter and John. And um, they surround them in Solomon's portico, which is the large, uh, large part of the temple. And when uh, all these people surround them, Peter jumps up again and he preaches another sermon. And the cool thing is, it's the exact same sermon, pretty much, as the first one that he preaches, um, which goes to, uh, goes to say, makes me think, that the gospel never changes, right? The gospel never changes. Um, it can be said many different ways. It can be preached many different ways, but the gospel never changes. And I can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels of the Bible, and every time that I read those, I can get something different out of what I've read. You can um, take something different away from the Gospels every time you hear it, but they always stay the same. And so as Peter is speaking this, uh, uh, this sermon again, he and John, who are there, they are arrested. The temple guard and the religious leaders confront um, John and Peter and they put him in handcuffs and they arrest him and they, they drag him away. Um, but the cool thing is, during this time, 5,000 men come to Christ. Like, that's the equivalent of the doors flying open, the police coming in and putting me in handcuffs and dragging me off stage, right? Or Aaron, if he was preaching up here. But during that time, it'd be like if, if hands pop up, across the room and say, hey, I want, to, I want to know what you're talking about. I want to be a Christian. I want to have what you have. I want to be arrested. Can you take me too, right? Uh, this is the equivalent of what's happening. We think that's crazy, 
And uh, why would anyone ever do that? But this is how strongly the Spirit is working in the lives of the people around Peter um, and John. So we see that 5,000 men come to Christ, which means probably around 10 to 15,000 people. And during those two sermons, which is um, in one day, 20,000 people have come to Christ because of what Peter has um, has done, has uh, the boldness of Peter in speaking out for Christ. You see, the thing is, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we have victory over fear. When we realize who we are in Christ and what He's done for us, that He has conquered the grave, we know that we too are victorious over death. That we have no fear in death because no one can threaten you. No one can do anything to this mortal body. Because we have a hope and a future in Christ. So Peter and John are brought before um, the high priest and his relatives and the, and the uh, leaders, uh, the religious leaders. And they ask Peter and John a question. They ask him, by what power are you doing this? And they, they're speaking of healing the, blind, or healing, healing the lame man. And uh, this next scripture is one of my uh, favorite in Acts, in Acts 2 through 4. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that we, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Wow. Like, what a statement. Like, he is not fearful at all anymore. Um, amazing. And so the, the uh, religious leaders, they go back and they talk amongst themselves, and they say to each other, what should we do with these men? We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. Isn't that cool? Well, we can see that Peter absolutely nails it, right? And it's like, it's like, basically, it's like Jesus telling Peter, I know that you denied me. I know that you said you didn't know me. But Peter, I'm going to give you a second chance. And he says, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. He, just, he knocks it out of the park. So much so that the religious leaders, um, they couldn't even deny that they healed this man in the name of Jesus. And they tried to silence them. They tried to um, stop them from spreading their propaganda any further that Jesus um, that they were doing things in the name of Jesus, but they, they could not be silenced. They could not be quieted. They would not quit. These guys were unstoppable. 
So now the question is, um, how are we as Christians supposed to act in a culture that is so antagonistic and hostile towards Christianity and Christian beliefs and the Christian lifestyle? And we have an example right here, right? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We must be bold and stand up for what we know. Let's go to Acts uh, 4.29. It says, um, this is after Peter and John were released. And they go back to the believers. And all the believers get together and they pray a prayer. And this is what they pray. They pray, and now, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power by miraculous signs and wonders um, be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So, what does that mean for us? Well, the first thing that means is we must pray for boldness. Just like those Christians did, just like those believers did in Acts 4, we must pray that God would give us boldness to, spread the, to preach the gospel, to not be worried about what others think about us, but to be bold and, love and share the gospel in love. Um, you see, if we, if we, um, if we have fear, and if we still uh, try to do the right thing, if we if we preach the gospel, we tell others about Jesus. Sometimes, when we do that, and we have fear in our hearts, we tend to tell others about a Jesus that looks more and more like ourselves instead of the Jesus of the Bible. And when we spread the gospel, when we share the gospel, we tend to mold that gospel and we tend to mold it and shape it into a gospel that fits us and that fits other people because we don't want to be, um, we don't want to, um, uh, we don't want to uh, look down upon people. We don't want to um, be intolerant of others, but God wants us to share the gospel in boldness and in love. And when we do this, when we ask the Lord for boldness, when we ask the Spirit, Holy Spirit for boldness, um, when we remember who we are and what Christ has done for us, then we have victory over fear. We will fight against our sin ferociously. And we will walk in boldness and in gladness and in generosity and in obedience, telling others a story of God's goodness and grace in our lives. One of my favorite authors, uh, David Platt, he wrote this book called Radical. I don't know if any of you guys have read it, but he, he's also wrote a book called Follow Me. Um, but he has a really neat quote that I like. Um, it's, very, it's very convicting. I think that's why I like it. It says, If we form Jesus to look like us and to be who we want him to be, then even when we gather together to sing our praises and to lift our hands, the reality is, we are not worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. 
We are worshiping and singing to ourselves. Isn't that uh, convicting? You see, worship is not is, is telling others the truth of the gospel. It's telling others the truth of who Jesus is. It's not sugarcoating the gospel. It's not, um, it's not uh, softening the stances of the Bible in order to win people to Christ. Because when we do this, we, um, we become selfish. We basically say to God that, we, that you need me. You need me, Lord. You need me to make you look good. When in the fact, he is good and he doesn't need you. He wants you, but he doesn't need you. And he wants you to serve him. He wants you to tell others the truth of the gospel, full strength, uncensored, unapologetic in boldness to speak for Christ, just like Peter did. And when we do this, when we share the gospel in unapologetic boldness and love, this is when we have true worship. See, Christ's victory over death and our um, victory over fear through the Holy Spirit gives us the power to worship. So as I bring my message to, to a close, um, I wanted to read a quote by um, another guy. He's a pastor down in Texas, and uh, he has this church called the Village Church. It's a pretty big church. His name is Matt Chandler, and he, has a, he, has a, he says something about fear that I really liked. He said, to be terrified of a kitten and have no fear of a lion makes you a fool. For you to be mortified of a kitten, like, oh, please, don't kill me. And for you to walk up and slap a lion in the face makes you a fool, doesn't it? Well, when your co-workers and your neighbors, those who sit around you at your children's games, when their love for you and acceptance of you becomes more important than you pleasing God, that desire to be liked, which there's nothing wrong with with a desire to be liked, but when that desire to be liked comes before pleasing God, that desire has now begun beyond the natural desire and has revealed who your God really is. Let's read uh, Proverbs 29 again. One we memorized today. If you would, if it comes up, if you would read it with me again. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Proverbs 29, 25. Yep, here. No. <laughs> Now, uh, listen to this. If, let's say, if you don't uh, catch, a, catch anything else I have to say, uh, hear this. When you fear people, you actually make a trap for yourself. You become a slave to other people's acceptance of you and you live for their approval. It becomes a God. And now they start to live your life instead of you living your life. You become in bondage. You become uh, handcuffed and tied down. But when you fear God more than you fear others or this physical life, that is when you can be free to live your life and to serve Christ fully. And that is what God wants from us. That is our true worship, to be free in Him 
and to live our lives in boldness and in fearlessness. And that gives us the power to worship. Because worshiping God is not just coming here on Sunday morning and and raising our hands and singing to Him, although that is worship. Worshiping God is also worshiping Him with our lives and glorifying Him through what we do. And the main thing we know that He wants us to do is to share the Gospel to everyone that we meet and everyone that we come into contact with. We know that we no longer are a slave to fear because of what the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus has done, because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said himself, um, and I'm probably going to butcher this scripture like I did in the first service, but he said, he said when he was on earth, he said, I am going, I'm going from you. I'm, I'm going away, but I am sending someone greater. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to live in you. And the Holy Spirit is, is, lives in us and He will give us boldness if we ask for it. He will give us victory over fear. So, um, if you would, take this connection card out again. We're going to look at the back here, the left, the left uh, box. And I have four things that I'd like you to, to do this um, week. To, to commit to. The first one is, is uh, memorizing Proverbs 29:25, And you have a little card in your bulletin. And if uh, you want to either put that in your pocket, in your wallet, um, wherever uh, you think that you will see it this week. Um, and whenever you take that out, remember this, that fearing people makes you enslaved to them. Makes you enslaved to where they will live your life through you. But trusting God gives us freedom to live for Him and to live in the power and the boldness that the Holy Spirit will give us. Second thing, read Acts 4. Really, I'd like you to read Acts 2-4, through but I know that's a lot. So read Acts 4, because Acts 4 is an awesome example of what what, uh, we can do when the Holy Spirit lives in us. Peter was this, he was this uh, scaredy cat who didn't want to stand up for Christ. And then, in, verse, in, in Acts 4, he stands before the leaders um, in the temple, the religious leaders in the temple, knowing that he could very well be killed for, for what he was saying. Um, but they could do nothing to him because he had, he had uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and the, um, uh, the love of the people around him that he had shared the gospel with. Uh, third thing, pray for boldness. Just like these uh, uh, believers did in Acts 4, they prayed for boldness and they, the Spirit gave them boldness to preach the gospel. Pray for boldness. Fourth thing, be unashamed of the gospel and tell others about Christ. And this is the most important thing we can do. To tell others about Christ in fearlessness. And when we go on this week, whether we're at Safeway and we run into someone we know, uh, you don't have to stand up and give like a 40-minute sermon. You can just tell them of what Christ has done for you in your life. You can, 
You can tell them the hope that they have in Christ. You can give them, uh, show them the love uh, of Christ that he has for them. And um, this is what God wants for us, right? This is our true worship to him. To be obedient and to share the gospel with other, to others with love. Let's pray. Father, our knees are weak. That's just who we are. We don't like to be laughed at. We don't like to be treated badly. We don't like to be looked down upon. Lord, we like to please people. Holy Spirit, give us the power to overcome the fear of man. Maybe not be... Uh, we, may we not conform you into our liking, Father, but, but may we be transformed into the likeness of you, sharing in boldness the truth of the gospel and the love and mercy of our Father. Lord, as I think of all of the Christians around the world that are sharing the gospel right now, knowing that their life is on the line, knowing that they, be, that they tomorrow that they may not wake up because they may be martyred for the gospel. May we have that same zeal and that same power to reach the lost here in America, here where we have it so easy, where it's, it's so easy for us to sit back on our lazy boys and watch our TV sets and, uh, you know, uh, do all of the uh, all of these things that um, are not bad things, but when they come in front of you, may we be convicted and may we stand up and reach those for the gospel each and every day. And may we may we overcome fear. May you give us the power to overcome our fears. We thank you, Lord, that we truly have victory over fear. Because we know that this life cannot harm us. We have a hope. A hope that you have given us because of Jesus Christ. Give us boldness this week. And may we walk in your way and in your truth. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.